Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Monday morning, and you know what that means? It means we're back with a brand new edition of On to the Next One, the podcast, right here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network as we map out. The next moves for some of the notable names of Saturday night's UFC Vegas 10 event. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck, being joined as always by my cohort, my co-matchmaker, the Prince of Positivity himself, Mr. Alex K. Lee. I am excited for this one, man. What say you? We had a full deck of fights yesterday. Uh, only one, <clears throat> I believe only one fight fell out, and I think we actually got kind of another fight that was added like in the last couple of days. So I think we start. I think we know that we started the week. I think with a dozen, a twelve fight fight card, and ended the week with a dozen fights. So uh, we got a lot to talk about. A lot of notable performances. If it were up to me, I think like we could have done all twelve, massive all twelve uh, fighters who won this week. There was enough storylines. Uh, the performances were strong enough. We could do it. But I know we don't have time for that, and we want to make a lot of room for I think a, a dedicated reader submissions section this week. Yes. Well, let us kick things off. The way we should with the main event and what a main event it was, AK, between Michelle Watterson and Angela Hill. And like Dana White said after the event, it was one of those fights where nobody truly loses in the minds and the hearts of fight fans. But unfortunately for Angela Hill, it will go down as a loss on her record. But a very close, competitive, fun fight. Michelle Watterson gets it done. She's back in the win column. She snaps a two-fight skid. AK, Watterson is kind of... In, a, in an interesting spot because she's fought a lot of the top names in this division already, but that was a, a very pivotal win and a big spot for her. What do you think should be next for the Karate Hottie? Uh, first, I'll say we won't be matching up, matching up Angela Hill, unfortunately. We did, again, like I said, we there's a lot of fights. We had to stick to just the winners, but there's a lot of directions Hill can go in. I know I'm sure there's enough people out there who thought she won the fight, so uh, we leave that to you guys. Feel free to send your suggestions uh, over social media or whatever whatever medium you'd like to use to reach us uh, because Angela Hill is certainly deserving of another big fight after this, but Watterson was the winner. She won on uh, two of the judges' scorecards, uh, and yeah, she noted after, I, think, I believe she was asked, the post-fight presser, you know, you everyone knows you want a title shot. You will probably have to fight someone again, uh, and I think obviously she's fine with that. At least since there's uh, plenty of fights that she lost, I'm sure she'd love to get back. I am not just a rematch. I want to keep things fresh. Two things immediately jumped to mind. The first was, I think, 
someone I, I suppose we haven't mentioned since we started doing the podcast version uh, Tatiana Suarez I'm not sure what's exactly what's keeping uh, actually I do know I'm sorry to say she has been dealing with neck issues I think what we meant is we don't know exactly the status of those injuries when she might be able to fight again uh, so hopefully everything's going well with her health wise but since that's a bit of a wild card my my really main pick was uh, next Saturday's winner between uh, Mackenzie Dern and Ronda Marcos I like that pick. Mm. Um, it's tough, like I said, because Michelle wants to get to a title fight. She said it as much afterwards. But, I mean, she's going to need some more wins before that can happen. So there's two options that can realistically happen, in my opinion. One, give her the winner of the Claudia Gedalia Zaunan Yan fight on November 7th. That works. And like you said, w- with the Tatiana Suarez factor in play, we don't know what her timeline looks like. So... And once Tatiana comes back, she's going to be inserted in a big fight, maybe even get an immediate title shot. I wouldn't want to see that for her. I'd like to see her get another fight under her belt before she goes and fights for the belt, but I, I just don't know when that's going to happen. But my other pick, December 12th, from all indications, it's not completely pen to paper yet, but from all indications, Amanda Hebas is going to fight Carla Esparza on that card. If Amanda Hebas beats... Carla Esparza, you do Hebas versus Watterson, main event of a fight night. Give her that, give Hebas that five round test before you thrust her into maybe a title shot or a number one contender fight. That's what I would do if she doesn't take a big step back. And and I know we weren't gonna go all in on Angela Hill, but let me just say I I think the McKenzie if Mackenzie Dern beats Rana Marcos, I think Dern versus Hill is the fight to make. And then maybe the loser of Esparza versus uh, Amanda Hebas, that could go to Angela Hill as well. But just wanted to throw her name in there in, in some way, shape, or form. But what else you got? Yeah, Mike, I think the only reason I uh, – uh, the Cadelia-Yan fight makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think the only reason I did not go in that direction was – so we're getting to the point now where we have – since we do this every week uh, – well, since there's a fight card every week, I think I think under normal circumstances we wouldn't be doing an episode every week, but we have a fight every week until, I think, December. So, again, we'll be doing this every week. Uh, we're getting to the point where we're kind of having to overlap over some of the choices that we've <laughs> yeah. made. So I think before, I think after one of Asparza's recent wins, I think we said we'd still like to see her somehow stay on the path towards a Gadelia rematch, uh, which I agree with. I think I would like to see that fight against. So that, that's probably the only reason I sh- shied away from that. And the other thing I want to mention for people is uh, this show is also getting really difficult because you have people, you have fighters taking fights on very short turnarounds now. So doing the usual math in our heads where we say, oh, this guy fought here and this guy fought here. So, you know, six to eight weeks is when they'll probably both be ready to fight again and and this is when they could meet up that actually doesn't matter anymore because now a guy can win and if the opportunity comes up they might fight again in two weeks against an opponent that you wouldn't even think of because they're just replacing because they've already been booked and they're just replacing someone else uh so i still i think we're going to start nailing some of these picks mike but i do blame the ufc schedule for our our lack of uh of premonitory abilities if that's a word uh so far but that's so that's a little disclaimer i meant to i meant to break down the top of the show I, I, I'm going to count it as a word, so there you go. But, yes, you are absolutely correct. But I, I, in, with this case of the main event with these two ladies just beating the brakes off of each other, I, I think – I mean, maybe – who knows? Angela Hill will probably be back in two weeks, but Watterson will probably take a, some, a little bit of time off to, to heal up a little bit and be the mom and the wife and all that stuff. So let's let's talk co-main event. We saw Otman Azaitar finish mm. combo-worthy in just over 90 seconds. This guy is just – so exciting to watch. Two UFC fights, two quick finishes. Dana, Dana White said he wants to turn him around quick for Fight Island. 
I teased this pick on the post-fight show, AK, and look, it, it's hard to match up two prospects. I get it, but at 155, it's just unavoidable in a lot of ways. But it has to be the right kind of fight. So my pick, let's get another international fighter in there, see what he can do against another fighter with back-to-back octagon finishes. How about Azaitar versus Joel Alvarez. That is a ah. fireworks fight, in my opinion. You could also go Tiago Moises, since he lost his fight with uh, Jalen Turner last week due to the COVID test. Jalen Turner went on to fight Brock Weaver. Either way, I'm good with either option. What do you think? Love the Joel Alvarez matchup. That's actually the first name I thought of. That, uh, again, and now this is someone we'd also mentioned, though. I think when we were matching up Joe Selecki on a previous episode, I think my, my, my main choice for him was, uh, I think, either Joel Alvarez or Don Madge. Uh, I think that's, again, that's why I, I want to put Alvarez to the side now, because I think him and Selecki would also be a good fight. And I think you sure. agreed as well. Again, again, we, I think I missed this. We don't really listen to our own show. Uh, we highly recommend a lot of people listen to it. But, I mean, there's only, only so many hours in the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned prospect versus prospects. Yes, I normally would not like to do that either. Another one, uh, if we're talking Fight Island, I think uh, Demir Ismagulov, 19-1 uh, guy from uh, uh, Kazakh, uh, from Kazakhstan. Uh, I, I'm not sure where he hasn't fought since, I think, last year. So... Uh, I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's, again, COVID-19 travel issues. Uh, a lot of fighters uh, outside, living fighting outside of the United States had their schedules thrown into disarray, of course, by the by the pandemic. So that might be it. But it'd be a good matchup. But I think the one I like the most, uh, and again, this is a sort of callback to previous episodes, our very first episode uh, that we did uh, of this podcast. We suggested for Kama Worthy, uh, Raf, I think we suggested, oh, well, Kama Worthy, sorry, guys, I'm going to get a bit, a bit, uh, a bit convoluted here. Uh, we suggested for... Fazayev that he fight Kamal Worthy uh, after Fazayev won his fight uh, in July. And since Worthy lost to Azaitar, then I wouldn't mind seeing Fazayev Azaitar. I think that's the fight that uh, I think that's a fight that's Fazayev's fight to take now. So really, there's so many guys in Azaitar's range right now, uh, especially with how exciting he is, that you can't have a, a, a bad matchup. But uh, and it's lightweight for goodness sake. So I'll go with Fazayev. That's actually my number one choice right now. I actually picked. It's funny because. You make your picks, I make mine, and we have to try to like mm-hmm. remember both of them. Um, Fazeev's name is going to come up on the show because I did choose him for for another fighter on this card uh, before he got booked pretty quickly. So, but I will say, little little spoiler, my opinion has changed since Saturday night. But uh, let's go to another fighter that is pretty hard to to book for. How about Roxanne Modafferi? Because she's fought pretty much everybody to this point. She goes out and beats Andrea Lee. Andrea Lee has lost three in a row. I guess there's two choices here, AK, because this is so tough. Viviani Araujo is one of them, and I do like Araujo versus Grasso, but if we're looking at things from a meritocracy standpoint, Viviani is ranked number seven right now. Montefiore, I believe, is number eight. So meritocracy-wise, it lines up, and it's a good test for both ladies. I would be fine with that. The other, and I know Roxy may not be overly thrilled with this option, Jessica I. And I know Jessica's gone through some health issues, which is why the report of I versus Jessica Andrade was reported somewhat prematurely. But the reason why Rocky, uh, Roxy excuse me, may not love this idea is that Jessica's missed weight in her last two fights, and Roxanne has been very vocal about not wanting to be in that situation if she can avoid it. So, I mean, there's other options, but those are the two that I guess make the most sense from a rankings perspective because Roxanne's fought pretty much everybody in this division already. What do you think? I, I mean, I'm like most you know, reasonable MMA fans. I'm, of course, a big fan of Roxanne Modafferi. But that said, I don't know if the matchmakers view her in the same way, which isn't to say she isn't well-liked. Again, who who couldn't like her? But uh, I think they see her as a gatekeeper. 
I think they're they're they see her as, as more of a litmus test. If she ever gets a title shot, it'll be probably more of the Michael Bisping variety, where she'll have to be a replacement. Uh, I, I don't know if they really see her as someone that they want to dedicate time to pushing up the ranks. So uh, with that said, I really only had one option that I thought made a lot of sense. And again, it is dependent on uh, the result of another matchup. Uh, October 17th, Jillian Robertson and Pollyanna Botelho will fight. And I think the winner of that will get uh, will get Roxanne Modafferi as their chance to sort of move up the rankings. And again, if Roxy if Roxy wins that fight, which she definitely could, I think she, I could see her beating either of those fighters. Then I think we, we, we revisit uh, if she gets herself a top 10 opponent and a chance to improve her own position. It's just so hard. It's tough because even like if, if you book the Arujo fight, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get someone that's ranked high, but someone you're trying to, to push a little bit as well if she can get a win over Roxy. But mm-hmm. I do like... My heart of hearts, I like Arujo versus Alexa Grasso, but Alexa Grasso you could throw out there with anybody at this point uh, in, at 125. Here's an interesting one, AK. We actually you know, low-key debated whether or not we were even going to mention this name <laughs> as far as a winner, but how about Ed Herman? This guy has just been fighting forever. I think I was in high school when he was fighting for the first time when he was on the third season of Ultimate Fighter. Gets a miraculous comeback win. All right, miraculous. Despite the controversy that played out, he deserves an Academy Award with with how everything played out. But Mike Rodriguez <laughs> should have gotten a second straight finish on Saturday night. We all know it. You listening know it. I know it. AK knows it. Chris Tyone, the referee, screwed the pooch, as the kids say. But Ed Herman gets his third win in a row. I cannot believe that is a sentence in 2020. At least for now, he has won three in a row until this appeals process plays out. But what a wild fight that was on this wild card. What is next for Short Fuse Ed Herman after Saturday night? You mean after his 42nd pro fight <laughs> and 24th, excuse me, 24th, 24th UFC appearance? Uh, yes, and now he has a three-fight winning streak. His first, his longest winning streak in ages. Again, I don't even know how long it's been. I think six years. I might be thinking about Bobby Green. Uh, Look, uh, again, a win is a win. It counts. It's, it's Again, it's a shame that it was overshadowed, but the officiating controversy, because otherwise that kind of comeback is, has to be appreciated. But I, I don't blame people at all for, for focusing primarily on the controversy and seeing this as a, as a stolen victory, because it was that as well. So uh, there's both sides of it. Part of me, I think, would just love to see the Mearshart uh, fight booked again, were it not for the fact that Mearshart was booked against, of course, uh, our, our on-to-the-next-one mascot, uh, Hamzat Shemaev. Uh, so there's your Shemaev mention, people. Uh, please click and subscribe. Uh, so I, w- I really would like to see that fight booked again, but I don't think it makes any sense anymore, again, because that fight exists. And if Mirshirt beats Shemaev, he's going to have a lot of steam behind him. I think he's going to want something higher than a than a uh, Ed Herman fight. So uh, let's go. Let's go dependent again. A lot of this week, a lot of matchup dependent ones. September 19th, this weekend, uh, the Johnny Walker, Ryan Span, Ryan Spahn? Sp- I, Span? I think it's Span. Span. Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann, uh, loser. Now, now we we have brought up this matchup uh, and the winner as a potential opponent a couple of times in the past for some other light heavyweights who won fights recently. So we haven't said anything what could happen to the loser. I think the loser would be a good uh, a good opponent for uh, for Ed Herman because I do think they're higher in the rankings despite the fact that they have so much less UFC experience and, and because their prospects kind of like the same mindset I took with with Mataferi. It's their chance uh, to get a name against a credible veteran opponent and, and one that they could probably have a, an exciting fight with. So, uh, yeah, Johnny Walker, Ryan Spann. Uh, it might not be a sexy matchup in Ed Herman, but, hey, he's won three straight, and those guys are those are coming off losses. So they could do a lot worse. I think this would be a good spot for Alonzo Menafield, honestly. 
He's a, a young, powerful, up-and-comer. Guy needs a win. Not saying Ed Herman's any pushover, but if that fight gets in the second, third round, I think Ed Herman has a good chance of winning that fight. But Manafield, you know, that'd be a nice name to have under his belt to sort of build his confidence back up. I think that might be the best option, honestly. The other one I was thinking about, how about Smile and Sam? You have two wily veterans oh. getting in there and mixing it up. But I'm going to go with my pick from earlier this year, AK, because, again... We overlap, and I believe we mentioned this name on the very first show or one of the early ones. How about Jamal Hill? After Hill's recent win, I said Ed Herman, but now we give Ed some time to heal up. Hill has a little bit of a a ganja suspension going on, which is uh, just rubbish, by the way, but that's what I like. And then the other option you had mentioned, Gerald Mearshart, if he he loses to Hamzat Shemaev, set that one back up. But Ed Herman can fight anyone, really, at this point, and it works, right? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I like the Metafield pick because I think we all agreed that him getting the, the OSP fight after a loss was strange, was a strange choice. Yes. Um, I think Ed Herman was probably in this better range for him. Uh, I don't remember what Ed Herman's uh, booking status was at the time. Uh, maybe Ed Herman was already had a fight schedule, and that's why that couldn't happen. But we were like, OSP is like a top 10 guy, former title challenger, and Menafield was coming off that loss to Clark, and it was like, okay. So, uh, yeah, maybe they could write that wrong and, and make the Ed Herman for him. So I do, I do like the... I do like the Alonzo Menafield pick as well. If I look distracted, no one can see this right now, but my seven-year-old is kneeling next to me with a Deadpool costume on. There he is. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll take a screenshot of that, and we'll get that yes. on uh, get that on Twitter. Thank Fans you. Fans on to the next one. Thank you for coming, coming by, buddy. No problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Bobby Green. We just did this not long mm. ago, like a month ago. Yes. I'm not sure if your pick has changed from before. Mine has. I picked Hafiel Fazeev. I'm 95% sure that was my pick after Green's last win and after Fazeev won. I'd still welcome that should it happen. But my tune has has changed quite a bit over the last month because Bobby Green is 3-0 in 2020. He continues to not only win, but win convincingly and in dominant fashion like these fights aren't even close he's just walking through guys and getting lopsided decisions and what i have been enjoying about bobby green is that his personality has has come alive this year he's much more what's what's the word i i I guess approachable as an athlete because he wasn't always like that back in the day but now you want to hear what he has to say he's he's got a lot of passion behind him i think he deserves to step up with someone that could get him close to the top 15 and i've been i've been looking for just the right fight for this individual i know jose young's likes to throw this name out quite a bit and i think i finally found it the nicknames ak are both somewhat etched in royalty so why don't we do bobby king green versus alexander the great hernandez ah break out the alexander hernandez card eh i'm waiting Uh, i was waiting for the right one i think this is the right one I will be honest with you, I had not thought about that at all. I do not know why. That matchup did not occur to me. Uh, I don't remember if we brought it up. Did we bring that up the last time with Bobby? I don't think we did. We didn't. This, this, seemed, this Bobby Green's name next to Alexander Hernandez seems very new to me right now. Um, it's funny. You mentioned I do have Hernandez up higher in the rankings. He's really been riding that Dariush uh, win for a while. Uh, and again, it was a good one. But it's funny. I, I have him up. And, and also that controversial, uh, the controversial nod over Ronaldo. So... It's funny how where his spot is in the rankings. I think people with their personal ranks could put him anywhere either in the top twenty or I could see them putting him in like the forty range, depending how they felt about the the, the how long ago the Dariush win was and about the Trinaldo fight. Um, 
I went with a name, two names. One that I really think is the perfect fight for him, but I think neither of us co- have committed to it because we just don't know what the status of it is of this guy, Ally Akinta. Uh, I keep thinking that they've fought before, uh, and I, I don't think they have, right? This is not somehow has, is a fight that hasn't happened despite them both being around forever. Uh, and speaking of which, by the way, when you said uh, Sam Alvey and Herman, that's a fight I'm shocked hasn't happened before. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I, I should have checked that out, but yeah, no, that has not. Uh, so I love. I, I think. I, I actually think Akinta is a perfect opponent for him. But I don't. I really don't know uh, if that where Akinta is, and if he would even take that fight. So the one that I'm going with, uh, and this was one I thought was great. I think I mentioned this as a possibility uh, when this guy won. He beat Jim Miller, Vince Pichel. Um, it might not be a name that Green is thinking of, but he's a veteran on a win streak. Great matchup style-wise. Uh, so even before the, this Patrick fight was booked for Green, I thought that Pichel, uh, yeah, I thought he was the next logical opponent for Pichel, and I think it still works. So a uh, lot of ways Green can go. Again, he's a veteran, so he can go, you know, they can kind of think about pushing towards the title or, again, match him up with prospects. Uh, so this one, he's one of the toughest guys to predict here. But I, I like Pichel if, if that Iacunta fight uh, somehow just never happens. But I do think he fights Iacunta someday. Wow. Green versus Pichel is, would be hmm. such a grimy fight. I love it. That'd be really competitive. Mm. I would, that's a good one. I think e- either of our two options are, are excellent choices for Bobby Gree. What a year he is having. How about Billy Q? Billy Quarantillo kicking off the main card, has a banger with Kyle Nelson. And for a long time, that was the clubhouse leader for fight of the night until the main event happened, at least in my opinion. But Billy Q goes in there. He knocks out Kyle Nelson. He's won eight in a row. He's 3-0 in the UFC. A lot of fun fights in store for him he's actually retweeted my post billy q versus blank because he wants to hear from the people too so now he's going to hear from us what do you want to see next for billy q ak i have a feeling there's a several undefeated guys in his range i have a feeling you're going to mention one of them i'm not so i don't want to spoil your pick i'll say it after uh if, if you don't uh but for me this is a case of wishful thinking i know i'm kind of going against what i literally just said with people like ayakinta and tatiana suarez we're like oh i don't know their status so we shouldn't book them but this is wishful thinking because this fighter about to mention uh he mentioned in an interview with our, our our friend james lynch that he suffered an upper body injury uh, this is about seven months ago, and there's been no update on it. And, and it, it was an injury that he suffered in training that he said could threaten his career. I'm talking about Chaz Skelly. Uh, I think Quarantillo deserves a step up in competition. He's 3-0 now in the UFC, and he's looked great in all three of his fights. So uh, I, I think this is the kind of the right range for him. Not not a top, not really a top 20 guy, maybe just inside the top 20. And uh, so I'd like to see Quarantillo, if he's going to get a step up, uh, someone like Chaz Skelly, and most importantly, I'd like just like to see Chaz Skelly fight again. And I hope I hope that guy's okay because uh, yeah, when I was reading that story about his injury, it was, it was it's kind of kind of scary. You you, you always you, it's always scary to hear when these fighters are uncertain about their health because they're great athletes, they'll fight through anything. So when they say that they think something serious happened, then that's really a reason for us as fans to be concerned. So Chaz Skelly, Quarantillo, uh, hopefully before the end of the year, that'd be nice to see. Yeah, I mean, Billy definitely deserves a step up in competition. And I think when the fight ended, my first thought was, let's run it back with Gavin Tucker. Like, we try to make this fight happen and never did. So I would be cool with that. That'd just be a great fight. But I think because Billy Q has been so active and he's had such a nice run, I think he deserves someone ranked even higher. So I like where your head's at with Chaz Skelly. The uncertainty throws me off. So I have two options. And... Both guys fought each other recently. So I say Billy Q versus either Herbert Burns or if you want to make sure he fights a guy coming off a win, I know how fans are so sensitive about that, you do Billy Q versus Daniel Pineda. I'd I'd say both of those guys 
top 30, 35-ish, maybe even mm-hmm. lower on some rankings. So that's the step up for Billy Q. I mean, Pineda is a, a, a veteran of the sport. He's been around a long time. And I think both would be fun and interesting stylistically in their own ways. I love that. Uh, Pineda and Burns, of course, uh, Pineda just beat Burns uh, 26 and 27 in my rankings. Uh, Quarantillo, quite very low, and I will explain this. He's, he's, not, he's just cracked the top 50 after that win. And again, that's not because of his capabilities. This is just how the math works. He's, uh, the, the, the people he's fought are considerably lower in the rankings. So for me uh, to, to, to move up, you either have to have like a really, really long win streak against uh, really any level of competition or, again, kind of beat someone higher than you, obviously, and just take their spot. So with respect to Kyle Nelson, Spike Carlisle, and uh, Jacob Kilburn, these are not guys with a lot of uh, name power in the UFC. Kyle Nelson, a very solid win, but again, not, not, not like a huge, highly ranked guy. So uh, I don't have Quarantilla ranked very highly, so that would bump him up really big if he could get a Burns or a Pineda or uh, a Skelly. So, um, yeah, I like that a lot. I, I, I'm just really excited for whatever's next for Quarantilla. His fights have been really, really fun to watch. Yeah, Dana White is officially a fan of Billy Q as well, so mm. that, that usually leads to, to good things and, and bigger opportunities. I have to say, and I mentioned this on the post-fight show there is not a single fighter this weekend that flew under the radar more than Sajara Eubanks. She goes in, takes on Julia Avila, who had a ton of hype, ton of momentum, and she gets it done. Sarge dominates the final two rounds, got a 10-8 in round two, just a massive win for her. Now, had Julia won that fight, I think they would have thrown her a fight with somebody in the top 10. And since Sarge got the win, she should get the same opportunity. So my pick actually was pretty easy. Sajara Eubanks versus Yana Kunitskaya. She's at number eight. Let's see what she could do up there. But uh, I'm, I have a feeling you may have gone the same direction. Yeah, there's a lot of continuity there as well because uh, on a previous show, we one of us, I think, at least had mentioned to either give her the Avila Montano winner or the Eub- or the winner of Eubanks Chasson. And since they ended up fighting each other instead of those opponents that we just mentioned, logically, then Kunitskaya should get uh, Eubanks because she beat Avila. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing the Chiasson fight rebooked. Uh, again, I don't know how possible that is, but it is true with the win over Avila. Maybe, well, I don't know, Chiasson's definitely higher ranked than Avila. So so maybe that that, that is the uh, the logical thing to do. I don't know. How, so if Chiasson's interested in that and, again, is, is able of making a, making a recent date before the end of the year, I'm sure Eubanks would like to get that fight. The other one, no strings attached, because uh, uh, she's unbooked right now. Sarah McMahon. Yep, that's a good one. I think Sarah McMahon would be interesting. Very, you know, Eubanks showed what a great grappler she is. Uh, her jiu-jitsu credentials are super legit. Uh, and I'd, I'd like to see how she'd go against such a high-level wrestler, Sarah McMahon. And uh, again, McMahon's someone I still see with the name, someone I still see as a, as a highly ranked fighter. I don't know, my, mileage may vary with certain fans, but... Uh, yeah, if not Kunitskaya, then I think Sarah McMahon is my other option. But I think both McMahon and Kunitskaya are, I think it has to be one of those two. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Both of those would be fun. Uh, as we head to our favorite part of the show, which will be followed by perhaps our new favorite part of the show. But first, it's the wild card round where we each pick a fighter. We have a match made for yet, and we do it right now. So AK, per usual, lead us off. Who is your UFC Vegas 10 wild card selection? I was trying to guess who you would pick uh, because I didn't want to overlap, but it may happen anyway. Like I said, there were so many, there were so many good options. Uh, you mentioned Eubanks was the only, maybe the only one that flew under the radar, kind of going into this card and after the card was over. But that's because there was just so many standouts. I and mean, we, we, I don't, I don't know if you're like, I don't think you're going to match up Kevin Kroom 
uh, unless I'm wrong, maybe he's your wildcard pick. But that guy was one of the stories of the night. And by the end of it, because so much other stuff had happened, people kind of forgot that uh, on many other cards, he'd be one of the top three storylines for sure, uh, beating Roosevelt Roberts in 31 seconds on short notice after I think it's like a 30 something career UFC fight. So shout out to Kevin Kroom if we don't talk about him any further. But uh, I had to go with. Uh, uh, with the newest addition to the heavyweight roster, King Kong, uh, Alexander Romanov. My goodness, what a fun fight that was with uh, Roque Martinez. Roque Martinez, tough as nails, but just a little in over his head against a guy with uh, with Romanov's grappling. Two really good options here. The first one I thought of was uh, the Vanilla Gorilla, Chase Sherman. You know, if you want to go the veteran route, I think that's a good way to go. The other one, uh, and this guy's itching for a fight. I don't think he's booked right now. Uh, Tanner Bozer, Canada's own Tanner Bozer. Uh, he's definitely strikes me as this kind of heavyweight uh, of the Derek Lewis mold in the future where he's just going to fight anybody. He doesn't, I don't think he cares about rankings. I don't think he cares about the number next to their name. Um, Bozer maybe should get someone who's not one to know. You know, again, he's had a, a few fights in the UFC now, but style wise, that could be a fun matchup. Good test for Bozer. Uh, but if you don't want to see, again, either guy kind of derail because you like them both so much, then uh, yeah, I'd say go with a veteran name like Chase Sherman. I think it's a step up in competition for Romanov, but not, not too big a leap. Bozer is booked. He's fighting Andre Arlovsky. Oh, how can uh, I forget that? On Fight Island, October third. Um, I want you. You. You know me so well, AK. I wanted to. I wanted to pick Romanov so badly just because he stood out to me. But I. I think the fight for him is the original matchup he had with uh, Marcus Rogerio de Lima. I think that's sure. that's a, that's just a madness fight. I think that's the one they try to rebook. But my pick because I feel like. He's not getting enough attention, and I, I think his story is great. Brian Barberina, guy just comes mm. back from back surgery, got a nice win over Anthony Ivey. It was a classic Bam Bam fight. No matter who Brian Barberina fights, it, it's going to be entertaining. So it, I guess it doesn't really matter, but th- this fight stuck out to me immediately after the Barberina fight because there's another welterweight with a bit more cachet than Anthony Ivey who – Recently suffered an injury. He's going to need some time to heal up. And to add to that, I could not have hated his his recently scheduled matchup anymore with Miguel Baeza. How about we do Brian Barberina versus Mickey Gall? That was my thought, like, uh, immediately after the fight. Uh, it's funny. That was – well, you know what? This is a good segue into the – I like the matchup. This is a good segue into the fan suggestions – section before i get to that though i'm interrupting my own segue that's right this is our show i can do that i just didn't want to leave full hang because i did say uh i was going to play off your uh quarantillo pick uh because if they want to go prosperous prospect sorry this is my last quarantillo note you could there's guys like yusuf zalal uh giga chikadze and if you want to go even a little higher a grant dawson uh i don't again i prefer to keep those guys all those guys away from each other for now but it'd be it's you know be kind of a cool thing to see that happen so that's my last quarantillo note i don't want to leave people hanging uh, yeah, I know people can't sleep at night when you know someone on a podcast makes a point and they don't follow up on it. But uh, yes, you you uh, solicited reader picks on Twitter, I believe, Mister Mike Heck, yes. uh, asking who should Brian Barberina fight next, which I think got the most responses of, of uh, some of the questions we asked last night. Uh, and I'll just quickly run down the names that are thrown out there. I'm sure you saw them. Uh, Mike Perry, of course, a popular name on the show. Who uh, people want every welterweight that wins, people want to see fight Mike Perry. <laughs> Lyman Good, which I think makes a lot of sense yeah. ranking-wise. Uh, might not have the most cachet, but it's up there. Uh, Kim Karate, Muslim Salikov's name's thrown out there. Bilal Muhammad and uh, Gunnar Nelson. Oh, I should be reading out these people's names. Thank you, Adam. Adam Provost 1, at Duke Friday 11, at Bobby Jackson 3B. And then the name you mentioned was supported by at Mystic Rick 
Mickey Gall. He said he agreed. He said Mickey Gall uh, should get that opportunity. And uh, someone playing off that at KRWX16 noted that uh, uh, Sage lost to both of these guys. So it would be the battle of people who have beaten up Sage Northcutt. Not, it, it doesn't really fit on the marquee. It's a little clunky. You know, we can work on that. We can workshop that. But yes, that was uh, Brian Barbarina's suggestions. And then we just have a few for uh, a couple of we asked for on the, on the uh, site Twitter account. Sabina Mazzo, who I think we have to mention, sure. opened the card in a great way. The great fight with Justine Kish, and, and I think her signature win in the UFC so far. First woman to finish uh, Justine Kish. Uh, we didn't get great. One of them, someone said Marion Renault, which is would be at 135. Um, Mazzo, I guess, has said that she would like to move up some point in the future, but I hope she doesn't do that anytime soon, unless we're just talking about she wants to take a fight in whatever three weeks because she wants to stay busy and just doesn't want to cut weight. Then I guess it's possible. That was from at Brewer Chris J. And then at Kava underscore Ava says Macy Barber, which I feel like we brought up, but uh, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, Macy Barber? Two, the two, take the two young prospects and just throw them in there against each other. I think Macy Barber should fight Andrea Lee. <clears throat> I think that's the fight to make. I, and I think, I said this in the post-fight show, there's only one fight for Sabina Mazo to make, and that's Ariane Lipsky. That's the fight. That is the one at 125. Yes. Yeah, I actually wish, again, like I said, uh, you know, we all we did, had to stick to the winners this week, but you did mention Lee. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Barber. No, I'm sorry. What am I saying? You said Lipsky and uh, Mazo, which uh, which which one of those ones which I thought had has that never even been booked? I don't think so. It sounded so familiar when you know, when you said it, it just felt right. It felt <laughs> so right that I was like, this has to have been booked before and fall. You know through. why? Because I'm pretty sure you said after Lipsky's win in her last fight. That she should fight Sabita Mazo, who was already booked to fight Justine Kish. So, say full circle. We're going around and around here. <laughs> I just looked at my notes. You are 100% correct. This is why I said it right. I, because the words escaped my mouth no, no more than two months ago. Uh, guys, there's a lot of cards going on. All right, yeah. There's a lot of cards. This match is getting very complicated. Uh, the last name we asked out was Bobby Green. We only got a couple suggestions. Uh, Fazeev, uh, again, which I think we sort of talked about today. And one, I, which I think I also mentioned with Green last time, and I still love this match as well, Drew Dober. So that's from uh, those two suggestions from at Anthroposcenics. Oh, I just know I said that right. And uh, at Steve is crying on Twitter. So at Steve is crying, I hope you feel better because I do like the Drew Dober suggestion uh, and could really see the matchmakers feeling the same way and putting that one together. Drew Dober is booked for his next fight. Who's he fighting now? Diego Fajera on December oh. 7th. Oh. Or December something. December 5th, that has, maybe? That has to be a matchup we've discussed before. We've discussed a lot of matchups. But oh, like yeah. Diego wants that fight anyway, so. I wouldn't mind Bobby getting the winner of that one. Has he fought Fajera? No. This will be. They, they were booked. They were booked to fight. I Was it? Yeah, they were booked to fight to before. I don't know if it was the I one that Hernandez jumped in and took. I don't remember. I think a lot of us are just excited to see Bobby Green getting busy again. There, there was a stretch there, both of inactivity and inconsistent performances, which is normally uh, the uh, the path to a UFC release and and uh, oblivion in the eyes of the the memory of the MMA fans. Somehow, uh, in the year of our Lord 2020, he has turned things around. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, the fact that we are have mentioned him twice already. On on to the next one tells you what kind of year Bobby King Green is having for sure. November 7th is that fight between Dober wow. and Fajada. That's going to be a good one. That's a, that's a big one. I think I would have liked to seen Fajada get the um, Charles Oliveira fight. I think he probably deserves that. But something tells me that Charles Oliveira is going to get an even bigger fight now. But we'll see. Maybe with uh, one El Kukui, Tony Ferguson, now that oh, Dustin Poirier my. is out of play. And on to the next one, teaser. 
Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. So don't don't be like, oh, Mike, you know, it's it's out there. Mike reported this. No, I didn't report this. I'm just saying, unless they sign Michael Chandler in the next week or two, there's no other fight that makes sense for October 24th besides Charles Oliveira. But um, that's it. That was the last uh, listener suggestion. That is the last. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, readers and people on Twitter. Uh, love the suggestions. Keep them coming. Hashtag on to the next door or hashtag OTTNO, which I'm trying to get going. But uh, <laughs> these things take time. Yes. These take time. We're still we're still the new kids on the block. This is mm-hmm. episode nine. So we're almost nine, at number yes. 10. Yep. I'm just going to look real quick to see if we have any uh, any kind words. If you have to look this hard, that's probably not a good yeah, sign. I don't really look that often, but nothing extra to read. But We feel the love anyway. We yes. feel it. We see it on Twitter. We appreciate it. But uh, that's going to do it for another edition of On to the Next on the Podcast. If you have your own matchmaking thoughts, mention the aforementioned Twitters. He is at Alexander K. Lee. I am at Mike Keck underscore JR. Join us next Monday as we matchmake for UFC Vegas 11, Covington versus Woodley. That card is ridiculous. As we're on the road to UFC 253, and yes, Hamzat Shamayev will likely be match made for win or lose. I, let's make oh. the promise here. We're, we're matchmaking for Hamzat Shamayev, <laughs> even if he loses to Gerald Mearshart, because we mention him on every show, and it's going to be that way for the foreseeable future. So get ready for that. And in the meantime, we are done. Thank you for listening. Don't take it too seriously. We're just like you, trying to make the best fights possible for fans around the world, and bragging rights for ourselves to see who's who's better at this matchmaking thing but i have a feeling things are going to get hot and heavy with some of these fights getting booked and turned around the rotation's about to about to switch here but we'll see you next monday right here on on to the next one the podcast you're listening to the vox media podcast network